Hola, mi gente. My name is Jessica Yanez, and I want you to join me for some wine and chisme. The Wine and Chisme podcast was created to amplify voices across communities of color, all while drinking a glass of wine. From wine talk, interviews, and recaps of all things pop culture, join me every Wednesday for the chisme. Please make sure to check out the Wine and Chisme podcast and other amazing podcasts as part of the Latina Podcasters Network. Hola, mi gente. Welcome to another episode of the Wine and Chisme podcast, a podcast created to amplify voices and share the stories of people from marginalized and communities of color doing remarkable things, all while sipping on a glass of wine. I'm your host, Jessica Yanez. This week, my guest is my friend, Pam Covarubias. Many of you know Pam from her acclaimed podcast, Café con Pam, which has been recognized by omagazine.com, as well as being a top Latinx podcast on the Apple Podcast Charts. She is also a skilled intuitive healer, brand builder, speaker, certified crystal healer, EFT practitioner, and recovering procrastinator. She primarily spends her time elevating women and small businesses by helping them develop their brand in intuitive ways while also staying true to their unique story. Throughout her diverse career, Pam learned the importance of branding and positioning in an ever-changing market. She utilizes her natural skills as a highly intuitive and creative human and as a strategic marketer and coach to develop systems that help individuals accomplish their intentions. She brilliantly blends creativity and practicality to help her clients achieve success. Pam's mission is to spread ideas and move people. As a creator, speaker, coach, and visionary, she strives to bring product support, insight, and accountability to those around her. We literally spent an entire 90 minutes chatting, laughing, and sharing, so I decided to split her interview into two parts. So grab your glass of wine and join us for part one of the chisme. so excited we did it <laughs> it only took 30 episodes yeah. but you know it's here we did it <laughs> and my first in-person recording in I don't even know how long during COVID yes during COVID because you're the, like you're one of the very few people that I've actually seen and I don't see anyone I just work from home yeah and I work from home too I don't go anywhere right so, you know, we've walked the dogs together. One time, I know. I think twice, which is sad because before COVID, we were like every single night. And we're it's just weird. Yeah, it's totally weird time. But we're here, we're doing it. I'm excited because we're going to get, you know, into the chisme and all the things, all the things which we do anyways, but now we're just recording it. Right, right. <laughs> now it's on audio recorded. That's right. For the world. <laughs> Okay, but before we get to any of the chisme, we have to get to the wine first. Okay. So today, the wine I got is a Joel Gott 2019 Sauvignon Blanc. It's 100% Sauvignon Blanc, but listen to the description. I'm really kind of excited to, to try this. It's um, a Sauvignon Blanc. It says it has aromas of pineapple, mango, and peach with citrus notes. 
On the palate, the wine opens with ripe tropical fruit flavors, followed by a crisp, refreshing acidity on the mid palate and a long, clean, balanced finish. So is that what you smell? I smell the peach. Yeah, I can smell the peach too. It's fresh. It's very fresh. Very yes. nice for a summer day. Yes. Well, salud. Salud. Let's see how we like it. Can we taste these things? Oh, that's a good summer wine. Very good. Very good. Okay, what do you taste? I taste, I think, I feel like I can taste the mango a little bit once I took a drink. Yeah. Yeah, like I did, couldn't smell it, but once I took a drink, I There's can kind of taste it. Yes. Mm. You know, we're that's so... Nice summer wine. We're, it's so good. I saw that and I wasn't sure because I... It always says citrusy, and I'm not a big like. I've tropical. got well, I'm I love such that. a tropical bean. <laughs> that <laughs> yes, but I don't like grapefruit. And the last interesting, the last two white wines I Sauvignon Blancs have had grapefruit. Mm. One was it wasn't too strong. One you might walk home with a bottle of wine. <laughs> You're like I'm not about it. So, but it's, yeah, it's been interesting to try these different wines and I'm trying to be, you know, I try and be as honest as possible because totally. ever and everybody has like a different taste. Totally. So, but that, but this one I could totally have again, you know, there's another one that you're going to have to try that I will tell you about later, but since we're focused on this wine, <laughs> right. Joel, cheers. <laughs> cheers. cheers to Joel, to Joel got 2019 Sauvignon Blanc. So Pam, oh my gosh, we met through the very, very first Latinas Who Brunch. San Diego. Yes, San Diego, mm-hmm. 2019. Yeah. And you got there late. Yes. In I true brown person form. Very in, in true Pam fashion. I was doing something. So I, I literally, I, I was coming from something to something else. Is it, like, it was one of those in true Pam fashion. Like, mm-hmm. I'm running from one thing to, like, right now, I yeah. came from my photo shoot to interview, right? And I don't remember what I was doing prior to that, but I was like, you know what? I'm going to go because they, I think they had listed it for two hours. Mm -hmm. And so I missed the first hour, but I was like, I mean, at least I'll get there for the networking, you know? And I didn't know how they worked. So I didn't know the format. So I I don't think any of us knew how it worked. Right. So I was like, I mean, they're not going to notice, you know, I'm just going to walk in and mingle. Well, look (laughs) by now. It was a full table. Filled with Latina women, and there was a spot between you and Eunice. Yes, right. And I was like, "Well, I'm just gonna squeeze in here because I don't know, right?" Because the way that the, the format was is you had to go to the next door to get food. Yeah, you could go to any of the places that were right there because it was just mm-hmm. in like a like, like they cleared it. Yeah, they cleared a lot so we could have tables there. Yeah, and so then I went and got my food, came back and I saw the spot and I was like, I'm a, I'm, I'm going to sit here. And that ended up being the loudest side of the room. Obviously you were there. <laughs> so, I, mean. I know you sat down and you were like, you were all wrapped up. Like you always are. Okay. If you don't know Pam, she is the cold. Like I think besides my mom, she's the coldest person in the world. It'll be yep. 72 degrees and she'll be having a sweater, a sweater on. on. Uh-huh. <laughs> very true true story so I came in with my rebozo on because I had come from somewhere else where it was cold I think and this is we're talking summertime it was March because it was baseball was it yeah it was March it was hot though I mean yeah it was it was, Diego, yeah. So, it was so I got the, with this like long ass skirt and then my rebozo like wrapped around me like it's winter time and you're with like a tank top <laughs> like you're not cold like, shorts right <laughs> Like it's the shade. It's cold in the shade. 
want. And so we just started like chatting and, and your friend is super funny. And so we got to introduce ourselves and she did this like whole monologue. And I was like, who is this woman? <laughs> She's like a standup comedian. Yeah. And so it was hilarious. And we just kind of like talked since then. Yeah. And so we exchanged, I think we followed each other on Instagram and then uh, what less than maybe two months later, I was here in San Diego right. and I reached out to you and I actually still tell this story to people <laughs> about you. And I appreciate, let me just say how much I appreciate this about you though. Even the first time we like met after that, right? Because I said, Hey, can we get together or whatever? And you're like, yes, I have one hour <laughs> this day or this day. I have one hour. We can meet here. And I was like, all right, cool. Right. <laughs> And after that, so we'll go, I'll say after, and then we'll see what actually happened at the, when we met after that, you had told me the reason you do that is because of what you do, which is like business consulting and you do stuff. You have a podcast, Cafe Compan podcast, because of all of the things you have your fingers in, people are constantly asking to quote unquote, pick your brain. Mm -hmm. So you do that to gauge right. what somebody is. <laughs> so when we met, I was like, so tell me about you. <laughs> so like, what do you do? It's like, what do you want? <laughs> <laughs> because I didn't know who you were. Right. Right. I didn't know you were like now being your friend. And I said, like, you say your name within like the Latinx circle. We're like, oh, I love Pam. <laughs> He's like, oh my gosh, she's so awesome. Oh my gosh, you know, Pam, it's really like. Because that's not how I knew you, right? That's not right. like I you had just moved, right? I hadn't even moved down to San Diego yet when I met you. But you had been, you had just moved from Texas, yeah, like not too long before, yeah. Or you weren't orange, like it was, you were new to, yes, back new, in back new in San Diego, yeah. So I didn't know anything. <laughs> I'm like, I just saw her, like I just met you, and I was like, she seems cool. I think I need to know her, but I had no idea how vast your influence is within you know the podcast community particularly the latinx podcast community within just within the latinx business community just even across the nation i had no clue and now i'm like yeah that's my friend <laughs> <laughs> well and, and to clarify I, I don't want it to sound like i'm like too good like i want to talk to people because that's really not like if you truly know me, yeah. like I will always talk to anyone and everyone. Yeah. And because I'm a recovering procrastinator, I'm very conscious of boundaries. And I think that in order for me to get my job done, I have to create boundaries for myself. Otherwise, I would be talking to people all day. Yeah. Like true story. That's why I had to get off social media for a minute because I'm like, I just want to help people. And that's really what I truly want to do. So I would, I would do it with, without a heartbeat. So I would say, I don't know. So I do that to create a boundary within myself so I don't stay talking to people all day. So, but it worked out. Yes, it worked <laughs> out because then you're like, oh, she's not like trying to get anything like, from me. Okay, <laughs> fine. I guess we can be friends. <laughs> Got me there. <laughs> and now you're stuck with me. <laughs> put that thing on Facebook and you're like, no, it's there forever. <laughs> oh my gosh. That reminded me of like, you know, the... The girlfriends that like they're always like texting you and I'm like you're not like that but that pose totally looks like that. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> okay it totally did I'm like now you're stuck with me we've been friends now like that's it you can't get rid of me 
I know. So that was fun. That was a fun encounter. But it's been really like, you know, it's been, oh my gosh, like a year and a half that I've known you now. Mm -hmm. And it's been really interesting and really fascinating getting to know you. And you've been, you're somebody who loves to help people when you're able to. And it's, I know how much I've appreciated it, but you have this very, really cool dichotomy in regards to you were born in the U.S., but you really grew up in Mexico City or Chilanga. I'm a very much Chilanga. <laughs> so, and then you moved back like for college. So what was that navigating both worlds? Because I know even now you're like, there are certain things you didn't grow up with that I reference. You're like, I have no idea what you're talking no about. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, it was, it was something that I had to go through. I think I have the privilege of have being a U.S. citizen, which I didn't know for a long time what that entailed. And that, number one, the responsibility that I have. Number two, I am 100% bilingual because I grew up in Mexico City and I read, write, speak Spanish, and I grew up learning it. And so my experience, my Latinx experience is very different from most of my friends because most of them were born here or they came here when they were young and you know it's their whole experience is a very yeah and I am an immigrant that happens to be a U.S. citizen which I mean I I 100 I'm not taking that for granted at all like I I work with women in Mexico I always do things for for undocumented people because I I have a close to my soul story when it comes to family separation. And so I came to the U.S. for college because I was like, I guess I'm a U.S. citizen. You're entitled to go to college here, I guess. I don't know. So I came and I came to Missouri to college. Which is so (laughs) random. What made you, first two questions. What was it that took you to Mexico City to grow up there? Like, what was the, I was actually talking to my friend and telling her that that you're a U.S. citizen, but you're a grand, she's like, I don't get it. Yeah. Like, how did that happen? Like, what took you to Mexico City and why were you raised there? And then what, out of all places, girl, I don't know why you went to Missouri, but what what took you to Missouri of all places to go to school? So my mom and dad met in Mexico City. All my family, my mom's side of the family is in LA. So they, they live in LA and my mom was a flight attendant for over a decade for a long time. And she was coming to see her family all the time. And so they put this bug in her head and they were like, Hey, why don't you, if you, when she was pregnant with me, they were like, why don't you have her here? Because she'll have that privilege. She'll have that U S citizenship. And my mom was a U.S. resident at the time. And so she was like, why not? So she had me here, but our base was in Mexico city. My dad is he doesn't want to live in the U.S. Maybe now his mind has changed a little, but he was like, I'm, I'm never going to live in the U.S. We can have the kids there. They can be born there, but we're going to live in, in Mexico City. And so after I was born, we always like I never lived here. We lived in Mexico City. And so it was literally as soon as you were born. Yeah, back to Mexico. Back to, oh, wow. Mm-hmm. I see. I didn't even know that. Mm-hmm. And so after that. My sister was also born here. My brother was preemie, so he couldn't, he, my mom didn't make it. Mm. So he's the only one that wasn't born here. And I know that's where your connection in regards to your own story 
Yeah, my brother lives in Mexico City. Yeah. And so I made it to Missouri because when I was in high school, I took the test to go to UNAM, which is the Universidad Nacional Autónoma de México, which is the national university that you can go to school for a dollar, 25 cents, I think, it's a semester or something. Oh my gosh. And so I really wanted to go. You have to take a test, kind of like an ICT type test. I missed like two, two answers, three answers. I don't remember anymore. The first time I took it, you have to wait six months for the next test. So I took it again. Again, I missed like a couple, if not one. And I was like, what the heck? So I had a boyfriend at the time and we were pretty, pretty close. We're still good friends to this day. And he and I was like, you know, I'm a U.S. citizen. I don't know what that means because I didn't. My whole, I'm, I'm a Mexican girl like grew up there the only thing that's different is that I wasn't born there and I was like I don't know what that means but I think if I want to go to college so I'll just go and that U.S. citizenship that people talk about that I have that I have this birth certificate and social security number I don't know what that means but it might get me somewhere and I thought he was gonna be like no stay with me you know we're whatever and he was like girl you got your dreams and I'm never going to stop you from them go and I was like who what? are you <laughs> I'm like, Wait a so I don't know I if I've ever heard that from right? anybody I've dated so I was prepared to be like oh this fool just like told me to stay so that's why I stayed Mm-mm. he was like go and so I had no excuse and my little 19 year old self I was like okay I guess I'm going so I told my mom my dad because I when I was 15 my mom shipped me back to Mexico we were living in LA so it's listen to episode one. <laughs> so I it was living with my dad and I was like, I want to do this. And he was like, okay, let's talk to him. So we talked to my mom and basically I was like, I want to do it. She had one brother, one brother lived in Missouri. And he was like, you know what? There's this college here. I don't know how that works, but there's this college here. And it's a small town, very different from LA. Cause I was going to go come straight to LA. Mm-hmm. And my mom had nannied for this family who had who had told her at the t- like years before that they could get me into UCLA when I grew up, and so she was like, "Well, maybe I can call them and maybe the holy time. grail of the Latinx parents of Mexico, particularly Mexican parents mm-hmm. in Southern California, UCLA, right?" And so, which I had no idea. Like to me, UCLA is just another university. I didn't know what an Ivy League was. I didn't. I the UC nothing. Yeah. Zero. I was just like, I just want to go to college. And so my uncle tells my mom that, and she's like, what do you think? So I did a quick Google. This is over a decade ago, so, you know, things were different. And I saw the campus online, and I was like, that works. It's a college. It's a university. It's a university. Because I didn't know what the difference also between community college, college, and university. No clue. To me, you go get a degree from a place. Right. So made it to Missouri, didn't realize it was a town of 77,000 people coming from a city that has millions. And I was like, what, what just, what, what, what is this? <laughs> I feel like it's exactly why you can't. <laughs> and so I had to, like, at that time, I came here by myself with my little luggage to my uncle's house. And, and we have a saying in Spanish that El muerto de la rimado los tres días apesta, which means like after three days, just like things stink pretty bad when it's not your place. And so 
I lived there between, I don't remember exactly, but it was between three to six months, I believe. It wasn't even the year and it was time to go. So I left my uncle's house. It was a whole ordeal and I made it to college. I went to college. It was a whole big deal to make it in because you can't just walk in and be like, I have this citizenship. Can I come in? They were like, you, that's when I understood that there's in-state, out-of-state tuition. You have to whatever. So I had to work for, for work in the state for a year and to establish residency so you could get in-state tuition. Correct. Because I was like, I'm not paying double. Like, what's ridiculous. And so I worked there for a year and then had to leave my uncle's house. But I was like, I'm here to go to school. So one thing that I would say that I have is determination. And I made it in. And then I had my ultimate dream at the time that I thought it was. I wanted to be an architect. Because my grandpa, he, he, he was an attorney, he was a lawyer, and so the whole, he, he really embedded in everyone that you must have a degree and like the, the traditional doctor, lawyer, teacher, accountant, like those. And I was like, I don't like any of those because I'm very like, I'm more on the creative side. I like people. And so I was like, those are boring, but what's the closest, like more creative? So it was architecture. And I wanted to be an architect. And so after, I think being a year, I don't remember exactly, like my dates are, I don't know. I will go to my counselor and I was like, hey, so how do I get into the architecture program? And he was like, uh, we don't have one. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, that's for a bigger university, not this one. And I'm like, what? Like, are you, aren't you a university? What's going on? So I, there was a lot of learning. Curves. I was about to say that just like all of those experiences, because normally, right, people growing up in the U.S. are like, what school caters to what I want to do? Right. So just to have that totally different perspective of just like, okay, well, it's a university. I'm supposed to get something. Well, this looks like I want to do the work. How can I do it? And like, yeah, that's not, you can't do that. Here. Not right. <laughs> So I decided to not transfer because he was like, you need to transfer. So I was like, fuck this. You know, I'm not going to do it. Yeah. Like I already traveled the whole country for this. Like I'm just going to finish here. So I decided to do graphic design. And because my story, my internal story is that you can't be an artist or an illustrator. I really wanted to be an illustrator because I love drawing and, and doing things more like illustrative voice mm-hmm. and but in my head the story was like you're not gonna make money doing that and I've always had this business mindset and so I was like okay graphic design is something that's more tangible it's in front of the computer you know I can make more shit yeah so that's what happened but in in, in between all of that I mean being in the midwest over a decade ago I really encountered the true United States of America of what it's like to be brown in the United States of America and in a white and black world. So tell me about that, because I know me and you have had these discussions, but I think it's important that somebody who didn't have to deal as much with that, right? You were, you were in, you grew up in a totally different country. You were here for a very small time, but in LA, which is very different than being in the Midwest, And then when you go to the Midwest, especially like Missouri, it's very black and white and not very much brown. Correct. So I would love to hear like what your perspective was being 
in that area in that time? And what, like, what did you learn during that time? Well, that's, that's when I started really learning to use my voice because I remember one time I, well, first when I got here, they immediately, I, I had to be put in a box. So are you Latina or Hispanic or how do I say your last name? Or, and I'm like, I'm just, can I just be Pam? Which I understand, like coming from Mexico City, I am, I still have a lot of privilege there, 100%, right? I have light skin privilege. I, there's a ton. So I did come with privilege that when I came to the U.S. and lots of things changed, I was like, what is this? And then immediately as you fill out forms, you have to put yourself in a box. Like you literally have to like say, I belong to this box and I belong to this box and I'm between this year and this year. And I, this is my gender and this is my ethnicity and this is my race. What? And so to me, that was really interesting because I hadn't, I didn't know why Yeah, at the time. And so... And me growing up, I've always seen that. It's normal, right? Yeah, I've <laughs> always seen that. And even I've always been confused about certain things mm-hmm. because things have evolved mm-hmm. in regards to what box I'm supposed... What am I supposed to check? I don't know. So I've heard that a lot from a lot of people, especially like even if... They're in the U.S., but they come from particular areas that where they never had to, they never felt like they had to check a box, but then they go to a different area where everybody's like, so what are you? What are you? Are you Latina? And they're like, um, can I, you know, and then there's this whole push and pull within the United States of, can I, can I say, can I say I'm Mexican? Do I not say I'm Mexican? Am I going to offend somebody? Can I say Chicana, Latinx, Latino, Hispanic? Like it is very confusing. <laughs> Just totally. as somebody who grew up here. Totally. Totally. And so I had to really, at the time, that's when I was like, you know what? I'm going to own my story and really own my voice and stand up for who I am. And so I have one of the hardest names to pronounce if you don't speak Spanish. And I had to stand up for myself and tell my professors, no, it's Rubias. And if you can't say it, I'm going to have you say it because you can pronounce a Russian as last name, a French as last name. Why can't you say mine? Mm-hmm. What makes it different? I'm making an effort to learn your language. You can make a little effort to say my name correctly. And so, I refused to Americanize my name. My name since to the beginning. Nope. I was like, it's Covarrubias, and I mean, you've heard me. Yeah. For years, I'm like, I'm from Covarrubias, and and people laugh, and I've been. I've had to challenge them because if you don't stand for yourself, who will, which I never did, you know, this, this part of my journey. And so I didn't always do it. So I witnessed, I mean, I had a professor profile me and he gave me a C on a paper because of my ESL. And one of my biggest mentors, my loved dearly, she's actually moving to Phoenix and I'm really excited. She was a direct, at the time, she's a director of the Center for Multicultural Education. And I went, she's a black woman. So I went to visit her and I was like, hey, so I got this note and something doesn't feel right. So my intuition was already telling me like, this is weird. Like, why is he mentioning your ESL that you're, you know, English? So he actually mentioned that he put on that your... in that note. Girl. Right. <laughs> and so, and I didn't know what I didn't know, but yeah. I was like, this is not right. Like nobody, never did I say English is my second language. So... Was it because of my last name? Was it because you heard me speak a certain way? Was it because what the heck? So I showed my paper to her and she read it and she was like, okay, there are some grammar errors, but those are grammar errors that a native speaker makes. 
So this is called profiling. And she sent an email to him and the dean and I don't know who else. And she was like, I'm not going to let you profile my students. And so that moment was so pivotal for me because, and, and this is why I always say that I owe so much to black women because she showed me, you stand up for yourself. You don't let the white man step on you because they can. Yeah. You, you say something and good for you for coming to me. And now you have the power, you, you, you can do it, keep it up. Right. And so that was like a pivotal time because after that I was like, Oh, mm -mm. nope, I'm not, I'm not, it's just not going to happen because, because I'm a person like you can't just insert your opinion about me. Let me, let me show you. I think that is so, it's so wonderful when you have like certain people that can really show you because black women have really been very much, not just cheerleaders, but advocates for me as well. And I think it's because look, my mom has a big voice. You've seen my mom. I'm like, you're going to FaceTime. <laughs> <laughs> but, at, at, and sometimes she'd be like, don't let people do this. But for some based on her name her name's Yolanda too right mm. I think she definitely got certain things and she tried to pass it to me where you're like no you need to stand up for yourself but I think I did to a certain point and then I feel like within our community we push to a certain point and then we don't push anymore like we're like okay what else what else do we do what and then we're kind of like scared to push farther Right, mm -hmm. and we're just like, but what if now they're going to come after me? And so, I feel like the black women who have been my mentors are like, no, nah, honey, like, girl, you need to keep pushing. You cannot push and stop because if you push and stop, people are going to push back. But if you keep pushing, they're going to realize who you are, and not, and then they're going to take you more seriously. And I was like, oh, hell, okay. <laughs> permission taken. Permission. I don't need a lot to give you permission. I'm like, all right. Green light, let's go. <laughs> so I know you've had a very colorful transition to San Diego. Yes. yes. <laughs> Do you care if we get into that or not? Sure. Okay. Well, I don't know. I mean, I still have a whole sure. episode about it. If, if, I think, if I know... if. If it is what I think you're going to talk about, I have a whole episode about it. So okay. We're good. We're good. So, yes. While you were in Missouri, you ha got involved in a very serious relationship. Uh-huh. Um, and with somebody who ended up, you know, going into the military. Uh-huh. And you've kind of had a very colorful journey that brought you into San Diego. Uh-huh. So, would you mind going into that a little bit? <laughs> well, I think he's one of my biggest teachers. And I, I have love for him because he taught me a ton about me. I wouldn't be where I am if, if if I didn't go through the stuff that I went through with this person. And I think we have a very deep soul contract that he's my teacher and I am his. My dad did our numerology and and he was like, you're here to teach each other. So be ready. And I was like, no, he's the love of my life. Like, it's just going to be unicorns and rainbows. Little did I know. So he he taught me a ton everyone has their own journey and, and suffering that they have to go through and in their own healing journey, which so, is needed. Cause I feel like we think we don't want to suffer, but unfortunately in order to grow, I mean, it's part of the, it's part of the bill that we signed, the contract that we signed. And so I 
really had to to get to rock bottom to a point where I was like, okay, so it's it's either me or me because I can't. I forgot about who I was. I I lost my voice again, mm-hmm. and so that's why I'm so passionate about helping women find their voice again because I lost my voice. Because you ended up in a very toxic relationship with this person, and I feel like that's. I mean, we just had an episode on toxic relationships. And I felt when I came out of a toxic relationship, I didn't even know who I was anymore. And it has a way of just, it teaches you a lot for sure. But while you're going through it, it's hell. Yes and no, because the, the happy moments are so happy that you're like, I mean, I get five minutes that are so amazing. <laughs> and then 90, then, then 55 that are terrible. <laughs> right? And so, so I mean, I, I think it's part of my journey. I don't regret it at all. I, I, I would go through it again. Mm. Like, I would I would do the same things I did again because it's, it's what taught me who I am and what I'm made of. Mm-hmm. Like, I really got to a place where I was like, shit. Bamco Arrubias, who? Who that? And so, which I can't even imagine you maybe lost. Yeah, I I had, I was like probably 20 pounds smaller. I was like, people would see me and be like, are you okay? I was in a deep, deep, deep depression. Probably the most depressed I've ever been in my life. I didn't know what I wanted anymore. I had made my plans were his plans. So if you ask me, what are are you going to do with your life? My life was around where he was going to be stationed. It was around this time he's in Hawaii. And next time he's probably going to go to Italy or whatever, right? So so my life was literally becoming a military wife, life without the ring, without the contract. And so when that was over, when I made the decision that I had to stop because otherwise I was going to die. And I had I had a, an awesome person in Hawaii that I met and she... I mean, it's one of those like divine people that the universe sends you for that moment. Mm-hmm. Like you need one person to snap you out of it. Yeah. And then you'll never see them again. You know, it's like one sentence of the chapter. And she was like, look, if you stay, he's going to give you a ring. You're going to get married. You're going to have his babies. And then you're going to become me. And you don't want to be like me. Aye. And I was like what because she was so she was a Mexican woman her and I clicked immediately and and she was cheating on her husband and she was she became a rock meaning her heart was solid she didn't feel anything whether good or bad anymore because she had been hurt so much and so she was like I see you I see me in you right now so I'm giving you an out Ooh, yeah <laughs> Knowing like what she was, what, you know, like what her life was, what was your thought when she said that? Um, or were you like, nah, not girl. No, I would, because at that point I had already made the decision. So I really truly believe in my core that she, she had no idea. So by the way, when she told me this, we're in the kitchen, the boys are upstairs, we're in the kitchen. She like casual. And all of a sudden she turns around and she tells me this what I just said. And I'm like, where did this come? Like, what the heck? Right. Yeah. So she got, um, she, somebody told her, you need to get rid of this message right now. So it was so casual that at the time I was like, okay. And then the boys came back down. We went out that night 
but then I got to reflect back on it and I was like, okay, so this woman really, she helped me snap. She gave me that permission of like, mm. you don't, you don't want to get into this. Yeah. And so I made my, I, that kind of made my decision more concrete. And then I left him and never looked back. So you were saying your dad did your numerology charts and everything. And I know you're very much a healer and a very spiritual person and you have now certified in tapping and you've helped me. And But when did you realize your own healing abilities and how did you navigate harnessing those? When I was 13 years old, my dad taught me Reiki. He's a Reiki master. And so, and I was, I was like, okay, this is weird because I grew up with a very Catholic grandmother mm-hmm. and I grew up with my dad. So on one end I had my crazy dad quote, quote, crazy, because he was like, the brujo, and the, like, he's doing all this, like, healing what? You know, sanaciones, <laughs> what? And then I have my very Catholic grandma who would go to church every mass. From his side or from your His mom. Okay. His mom. Yeah. He would, she would go to church every day at 6 p.m. It was mass time. And so, I mean, I did my first communion, like, all the things, and What's funny, though, is that I always questioned. I remember having a conversation. We were in bed, and I would, always, I would go to bed with my grandma because my grandma my, my grandpa didn't sleep in the same bed. And so I would, I would just like to go to sleep with Grams. And I remember being in bed with her one day, and I was like, why don't we worship the, the Virgen de Guadalupe? And she was like, oh, how dare you <laughs> blasphemy <laughs> and i'm like she's just a picture like why but tell me why you know and so she gave me this whole story of how like juan diego la encontró, like she he found her and i'm like yeah but why you tell me how it happened that she came to be yeah why do we worship the virgen de guadalupe i don't understand i don't believe in her abuelita oh my gosh Oh my gosh, did she kick you out of her bed right then and there? (laughs) She was like, go to bed. We're going to church tomorrow. You have to confess. She didn't say that, but probably she did. And so I always had this like, I don't believe in religion that much because it sounds kind of bullshit to me. Like, why? Even though I had this like very like strong Catholic figure in my house. So when my dad teaches me this, I still had this story of like, here comes the crazy man with all his healing things and with all the things that he like be calling and all incense and all that shit. Right? Yeah. And so in a way I still, I was like, Ooh, I don't want to be like the crazy girl. Cause everyone be calling my dad, the crazy guy. I don't want to mm-hmm. be the crazy girl. So I, I, I hit it for a long time, for a long time, for a long, long time. I mean, I would do my little, my little rituals. I would like, pull my cards, I would do like whatever, but it was all in my, in my space because that was my sacred time. Mm -hmm. And then I was like, fuck it. Like, why, why do I need to hide this? Like, it's part of my story. It's part, it's part of owning your story and using my voice. Yeah. And if I, the ability to help someone, I'm robbing them from that healing if I'm not sharing it. So it started, I don't know if I have an exact time. I have to really think. But, I mean, I think I frankly, with all humility, I think I started healing with sharing people's stories. You When they were sharing their stories with you or vice No, when I started the podcast. Oh, okay. So you've had the podcast for four years now? 2016. 
my gosh, already. Podcasting is still, I mean, it's not new now, but it's still, it's like still kind of this thing that people are still barely finding. What led you to, because you have your fingers in a lot of things. (laughs) You have, you do like branding consultations you do design work, the power, you have your power sisters method. Well, you did my logo and right, right. I always get compliments. <laughs> and, and then you have the podcast. So what led you to the, podcast? to the podcast? I was still in corporate and I was traveling two, three weeks out of the month and I'm an extrovert. So, so I mean, you're, you're like past extrovert, <laughs> extrovert, extrovert, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> I like people. <laughs> I like people too, not as much as you do. <laughs> but so I, I, I was traveling alone and I was tra- traveling to these new places and I had to get work done. And so as I was traveling, I always tell the story that I'm a dancer. And so if I if listen to music, I'm going to be dancing. So I couldn't be like, traveling through the airport dancing it's weird right and I, I was this like professional woman I was an executive and whatever and so I started listening to podcasts I started listening to podcasts actually in Mexico City before I came to the U.S. I don't know why I, I always wanted to be in radio frankly mm-hmm. I could totally see that about you. I always wanted to be in radio so that was like ultimate like I say that I wanted to be an architect but really what I wanted to do was to have a microphone and have a radio station but because my story of you have to have like doctor, lawyer, teacher, whatever. Being a radio DJ was not part of it, and so I it didn't I didn't even pursue it. And so the podcast was just like, well, you kind of start your own radio station, and you can do whatever you want. You don't have to respond to anyone. But really, truly, what got me to start it is because as I was traveling, I was listening to all these interview based podcasts because I. Because I like people, I like to listen to conversations and I like to feel that I'm in there. And I like to, I love listening to people's stories because it's, it's, to me, it's how, when people model that you learn from. Mm-hmm. And so I was listening to all these shows and I was like, where, where's the people that look like me? Where's the people that sound like me? Where's the people that have like weird pronounced last names? I know those people exist. I know those people, especially here in the US, I know they're making moves. Why is nobody interviewing them? And why is nobody that looks like me doing it? And so I kept searching. I found maybe three or four Latinx podcasts at the time. And none of them were really interviewed. They were all co-hosted. So it was like co-host conversation. Let's Mm -hmm. talk about a theme. You know, they weren't like interview based. And I was like, I mean, these are cool, but not, they're not what I look, what I want or what I was looking for, or the, or the podcast that I need, because I was growing in a company, I was doing in, I was doing a leadership role, role, so I was, I was like, where are the people that I can look up to? Yeah. And that's where the idea came. I love coffee, so I was like, it has to be around coffee. And so talking to my friend Henry, I only need, I had this limited belief that I couldn't do it, because I don't know why. I haven't really explored why I didn't do it because I guess I overcame it. But I, talking to Henry one night, we, he lives in LA, came to dinner to San Diego. We're having dinner. He's at my car. Like we're saying goodbye. And I'm like, you know, this podcast thing that I've really been wanting to do for three years. Like, I think I'm ready. I think I'm finally ready. Better so you had this idea like three seven years, seven years yeah. ago. Oh, yeah. I mean, okay. I would say even before because I wanted to be on radio. Yeah. And so... 
Pero. Pero. <laughs> so I was like, okay, my dude, so I have this idea and I really want to do it. It has to be around coffee. So it needs to be cafe. Y aparte en español because I'm, I'm more, I'm very bilingual. Yeah. Very much so. And so. Yes, you get, you push me. <laughs> to bring it out. Yeah. <laughs> and so. So I'm like, it has to have cafe con, you know, and he was like, con pan, way, like, what the um, heck? Like, obvio. <laughs> I know. Hello. So that's where cafe con pan came. And I was like, okay. And the, I was like, the only thing that it's missing is that I don't know how to edit. So that was my last limiting belief that mm -hmm. I'm working through is I don't know how to edit audio. I don't know what the heck. And he was, he looked at me, he was like, do you remember what I do? And I'm like, shit you're a music producer my friend <laughs> is he the person that put your music together yes it's so good mm -hmm. too i love henry so he was like i'm gonna need you to just start this thing so you can stop talking about it send me the audio you you overcame all the excuses that you gave yourself like the last thing is the editing send me the audio i'll edit it for you And I'm like, but, but, pero, <laughs> pero I don't have music. And so I'm, I have the, like copyrights and all this bullshit. Right. And he was like, I got this song for you because at the time I was in a, in a salsa performing group. And so I was like, I mean, I'm still very, like you take me to a salsa club and I'm all about it. And so he was like, I got the song for you. I already created it. I'll cut it out. It's oh done. Oh my gosh. And See, was, it was just meant. Totally. I mean, when the universe puts the needle down, it's because it's going to happen. Unless you choose not to take it because I very easily could have been like, nope, I'm still scared. Very easily. And he was like, all right, I'll do it. And so he he was my first editor slash producer Henry that I would call him. And a few months later, I quit my job. <laughs> Thank you for listening to part one of this episode of the Wine and Cheese Myth podcast. For the rest of Pam's story, please make sure to listen to part two because you are not going to want to miss the rest of the chisme. Remember, if you want to hear more Wine and Cheese Myth, please subscribe, rate, and review. Five star ratings are always appreciated, and those positive reviews are appreciated even more. Until next time, mi gente, saludos.